Ladies and gentlemen, we are only 36 hours away from when FSU takes on Louisville in Louisville, Malik Cunningham and in the Cardinals. Dave and I are here today to discuss what we think is probably the most important stat to look at for the game overall and just how we're feeling heading to this matchup on this edition of Locked on Seminoles. You are Locked on Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Seminoles. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Drake here, and today I'm joined by Mr. David Wise in the stream yard. <laughs> I'm going to pat myself on the back for that one. Dave, what's going on, my man? Drake, we are one day out from what feels like the most important football game we've played since... I know you guess. always say that. I'm gonna lie to you. No, I mean, look, we'll <laughs> we'll get to this in the third segment, but the implications of this game probably can't be overstated too much because, like, it's not a must-win. But if we were to win a three-zero start, I don't think even the most optimistic fan had a start in three and three-zero. So, I mean, you just got to do some recalibration of this team if we really win this game. No, I completely agree with that. So, Dave, since today kind of it's your segments, I kind of want you to run it. I'm going to throw the ball over to you, Dave. What are we starting with? What's the middle segment? And what's the last segment for today? Drake, we're going to start with our kind of interesting stat of the week to look out for. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to this one. This is, this is a personal favorite of mine. Um, second, <clears throat> we're going to talk about what we need to do specifically to win this game in light of the matchup against Louisville. And the third segment, as I alluded to, is going to be the different outcomes of this game, how how that would affect our season outlook in light of all the information we would have by that point. So let's start with some maths. This this isn't a very complicated statistic, but it's a very fun one. Drake, Louisville, if you listen to our episode with Dalton from Locked on Louisville, you learned that according to Pro Football Focus, Louisville does not have a defender graded 70 or above, not a single one. Mm -hmm. Drake, would you hazard a guess as to who's Louisville's highest graded defender? Louisville's highest graded defender, I'm going to have to guess. It's not Katro Clark. It's probably, it's not DAB either. I think DAB is like way down there at 55 or Brownlee. It's not him either. Um, actually, I really don't know. Who is it? Is it, is it, is it Gilletti? It's Jarvis Brownlee. Jarvis Brownlee. Is it is really? Louisville's highest graded defender at 69.5. First yeah. off, nice. But right. that's actually, is it, that's kind of surprising. I'm not going to lie to you. Because he actually, I think he leads all Louisville corners in receptions allowed with 10 out of 34 completions total. Yeah, Jarvis Brownlee is uh, second on Louisville's team in snaps. That should come as no surprise. He led us in snaps last year. That's just mm -hmm. the player he is. Um. Yeah, Jarvis Brownlee um, missing 20% of his tackles on the year. Exactly who we know him as. Um, receivers have caught 71% of passes against him. Um, yeah, I I really, I really, really like that matchup. Um, as you know from watching Florida State this year, this wide receiver room is restocked and reloaded. It's working out well for us. Um, Pokey. 
is here's I'll tie in another interesting stat for you. Sixth on the team in snaps out of our mm-hmm. receivers, which is just shocking to me in light of the fact that he's easily our most productive receiver. Dude's got a receiving grade of 86.3 on the year. Um, Johnny Wilson, 75. Deuce Span, 72. Micah Pittman, 69. Nice. Nice. So we have five receivers with a PFF grade equal to or better than Louisville's highest graded defender. Throw the damn ball at Jarvis Brownlee. That's the interesting stat of the week. Yeah, I think that I'm going to be right there with you. I think you actually you want to attack Jarvis Brownlee because at run grading, I discussed this with uh, Danny Domino with the gambling pause going to be dropping later tonight. Run stopping, he's he's actually pretty incredible. Yeah, incredible. Like he plays hard, plays tough, and hits hard. But he's not the fleetest of foot. He also in coverage is not not a liability, but he kind of he tries to be physical at the line, but kind of match mask his deficiencies yeah. with his speed. And that's kind of what you saw last year when he was burned in the year before. So to me, I believe that going up against him, he does ha- allow a higher reception rate, even though he did get the pick last week against UCF, even though if you watch that game, that should not have been an interception. It should have been an incomplete pass. If you watch that, if you watch the review, but I digress that for another day. So I do 100% agree with you that Jarvis Brownlee, you need to attack him because Keetro Clark, I personally believe, is the better cornerback of the two. Yeah. And he's someone that is not going to allow a reception at all, probably. He's someone that you might want to avoid actually in this game, if we're being completely honest with you. Well, again, nobody with a PFF grade of 70 or above on that defense. So I'm not overly worried about anybody in particular. But in particular, I want us to throw the ball at Jarvis Brownlee, not just to prove an example, but because got a chance, good chance for a missed tackle there. You got a good chance to catch the football in the first instance. Love that strategy. I completely agree. And I think my important side of the day side of the day is going to be basically what we discussed last week where FSU kind of went from, you know, last year we had third and longs last week against LSU was third and somewhat manageable. And that was mainly because it wasn't because of first down because it was always like second and eight, second and nine. Yeah. But we averaged last week, sorry, two weeks ago against LSU, five and a half around, around five and a half yards per play on second down to go to third and manageable. And uh, Louisville's defense overall is 67th in the country with a 37% uh, opponent uh, success rate when it comes to third down conversions. So that's something I really want to keep an eye on because I do believe that this coaching staff with the play calling is allowing Jordan Travis to basically not have to do everything with third and eights, third and nines, third and sevens, and make it a lot easier with third and fours and maybe even third and threes. So to me, I really believe that capitalizing on second down to basically give us a fighting chance on third down to extend drives on a defense that for Louisville, who is 120th in the country when it comes to opponents' rushing success rate, FSU's got fifth. So to me, this is going to be a game basically of attrition where we need to wear them down, win time of possession. And to me, it's how basically we want to win this game. Yeah, it's funny you bring up third down percentage because, again, if you listen to an interview with Dalton, he expressed almost the exact same concerns I was, which is that the team has this at times really foreseeable play calling on first and second down, which allows defenses to hone in and you end up in third and long. And that's a familiar story for Florida state. Unfortunately for us, we've been incredible at converting on third down. Even when it's third and long, we're fifth in the country overall third down conversion percentage, 65% only behind. Well, it's not even worth it. Georgia's first at 90%, which is ridiculous, but I don't know that that's sustainable to keep converting at 65% clip on third downs. Um, I also don't know that it needs to be, though. 
uh, because you should be learning lessons from what you've done on first and second down. This is a particularly porous defense. So I don't expect to be in a ton of third and longs, uh, meaning the third down conversion rate should, in theory, either um, be less attempts because you're doing better on second down or uh, the conversion rate should still be pretty high because I think you should be in a lot of third and shorts. So I, I, I like that stat of their third down defense. I think that's that's going to be obviously one of the keys to this game. Part of the reason we're two and out to start the year for sure. No, 100%. I think just we're just seeing right now how we've been waiting for this offense built for playmakers to finally show up and it's slowly getting there. And I definitely do think the promotion of Alex Atkins to basically be a different voice in the room and tell Mike, Mike, let's not to get too cute. Let's just get to keep it simple. And he also already had the background for being the run game coordinator and the OC over at Charlotte, which if you're looking at Charlotte right now, they don't look particularly that good. They might be the worst team in all of FBS since basically Alex Atkins is now gone. So I'm actually very excited to see this game. And I want to see kind of the play calling because right now that man's a shining star, a rocket right now. I wouldn't be surprised if you hear his name attached to some head coaching jobs, maybe around November. You might hear Northwestern might be, you know, moving up from Patty Fitz. You might hear Illinois being done with the Brett Bielema experiment. So to me, was out with Alex Atkins, he definitely is a name to watch out for overall for this game and just for the rest of the season. But Dave, before we do that, you know what time it is? What time is it? It is our fade Dave mm. action of the week from our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your latest sports action. And Dave, I got a line for you real quick. Are you ready for this? I hope it is what I think it is. Good. But what did you think it was? Texas A&M Miami. Isn't. It is not Texas A&M or Miami. But do you want to be Texas A&M yes, Miami? Yes, I do. Yes, all I do. right. It was going to be Penn State versus Auburn. Folks, take Penn State at minus three because Auburn is terrible because of TJ oh. Finley. Uh, so te- Texas and Miami is plus five currently. Yeah, Miami is a plus five underdog going over to Kyle Field. We saw Texas A&M lose a heartbreaker, but not heartbreaking for us because we laughed against Appalachian State the week before. Dave, we're going with this one. Okay, you got to understand this has nothing to do with football. This is about the universe. Okay, and th- this is the exact kind of game Texas A&M wins. Like they go out and they lose to Appalachian State. Of course they do, because that's who Texas A&M is. The best 75 team in football, the biggest waste of recruiting talent in football. And then the next week, of course, they have a I'm not going to call it a marquee matchup because Miami isn't very good, but um, they have a big matchup against Miami. And of course, they're going to beat Miami and they're going to do it by more than five. They're going to somehow win convincingly, even though they can't move the damn ball. They're going to win by like 20 points. This is an easy one. This isn't one of those where you're going to have to be worried about it in the fourth quarter. Game's probably over by the fourth quarter. Texas A&M minus anything. Yeah, no, I'm taking Miami plus five. I'm taking Miami also on the money line of plus 175 primarily because I don't trust Jimbo Fisher to coach a football team with an offense that's really, that should be good for an entire week. Drake, also, have, you, have you seen Mario Cristobal coach in a big game? Doesn't work out for him. Yeah, he beat Ohio State last year. That's not saying anything. That's that's a big that's a big game. Dave. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about it. He sucks. Yeah, cause he cause lost it, Utah because he, well, he lost Utah twice. That's that's good. <laughs> not get okay away there. Out like, but come on, he, he, he doesn't fit your narrative. But overall, to me, give with, the points, folks. If you want to fade Dave and join me as is tradition, take Miami, Florida plus five. I know it's dirty, but do you really want to bet on an offense that basically expired back pre World War II or? Ride with, ride with Dave and take Texas A&M because we hate everything orange around here. All right, Dave, we are back. We're rolling with your favorite daily Florida State Seminoles podcast. 
And as always, folks, five-star reviews, either on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast from. And also, like this video, hit the subscribe button at the tippy tippy top so you know when new content drops and ding the little bell so we are the first to know when these videos are on your feed. David, where we go off to next? Okay, Drake. Now we are off to a segment related to the first one, which is kind of some of the keys to winning this football game. Obviously, we just talked about the fact that third downs are going to be very important, but that's that's the case in any game. If you don't convert third downs, you're probably going to lose a football game to a similarly talented or capable team. Um, we we talked about obviously throwing the ball against a porous uh, defensive backfield. Of course, if if a team's not great at pass coverage, throw the ball at them. No kidding. Um, but there's a little more to it than that. I mean, we spoke with Hunter from Locked On or Dalton from Locked On Louisville. Excuse me. And Dalton told us that there's all the talent in the world, for example, on this Louisville defense. Um, I don't I'm not going to pretend I know enough about Louisville football to agree or disagree with that statement. Um, but one thing that's readily apparent from looking over their grades on the season, that's a bad tackling football team. It's very undisciplined. It's something that I think Florida State fans, just if you have any kind of short to middle term memory, probably remember too well. Um, here's what that tells me. If Louisville is not great at tackling and we have been pretty successful, I think, at this one, one of the things we said we needed to see out of Jordan Travis was a short and intermediate passing game. It's been there so far. If if you can get that cooking against Louisville, just just get the ball out of Jordan's hands, take him out of danger, get the ball into the receiver's hands, let them run free because odds are they're going to be able to break a tackle or Louisville is just going to whiff altogether. That's a formula for success. That's how you get the yaks, the yards after the catch. That's how you get a guy like Micah Pittman just driving the opposing team wild. He's shown incredibly to be incredibly effective at that exact role we thought he would be, that little just underneath routes and crossing routes and just everything short and intermediate. That's if a team can't get guys on the ground, Make them do it until they do. I just make them keep trying to do it. We don't need to get flashy here. They have a bad run defense. Maybe you can get into that some more. That's going to be there. But in the passing game, just make them try to tackle you. It hasn't worked out for them this year. Didn't work out for them great last year. And it's something that our players are great at doing. I'm, yeah, I'm going to be right there with you primarily because when you see kind of the tackling form of the entire Louisville defense when they played Syracuse week zero and then also when they played, sorry, week one and then they played UCF last week, it just seems like tackling to me has always been something that if you're not fully committed to the team or fully committed to basically, like you're not fully invested in the game, that's something easier to mess up. It's kind of like with baseball where you lose sight of the little things and your fundamentals and mechanics go right yeah. out the window. And to me, this is a team that also. You said that at the beginning of the, at the show that this is the most important game for Mike Norvell. I think this is the most important game for Scott Satterfield. I think a loss here actually overall might cost him his job later down the year because I personally think that Scott Satterfield might lose his locker room overall. I think this is something that basically speaking that this is a game that's really important for him. If you see from right out of the gate they're making tackles, that that's something that basically just knows it shows you that this team isn't for the long haul and. If we go up early, I don't see this Louisville team responding particularly actually very well, especially because with Malik Cunningham, 
I think he's a decent passer. We haven't seen him basically do that well. I think against UCF, he had a success rate around 30% when it came to passing the ball on dropbacks. When he was rushing the ball, he had 15 carries for 126 yards for a 47% success rate. But against Syracuse, he ran the ball 10 times for 51 yards with two fumbles lost for a 20% success rate. So for me personally, I think you kind of need to get into Malik Cunningham's head just a little bit and try to make him basically force him to pass the ball. Yeah, and I just, I'm glad you said what you just said. I want everybody to understand something. We're going to give up runs to Malik Cunningham in this game. Um, We are not Georgia, and I have news for you. Even Georgia, Georgia? even, even Georgia's defense would give up some runs to Malik Cunningham. He's just, he's talented with his legs it's something that he's among the best in college football at it's going to happen you're going to see him get first downs with his legs you're going to see him bust a 20 yard run or two that's that's doesn't mean the world's ending that doesn't mean suddenly the defense sucks or we suck that's just part of it it's all it's just going to be about limiting how many times he's able to accomplish that and making sure he doesn't bust through the whole secondary and you know sprinting towards the end zone with while we're chasing him as long as we can avoid that it's it's funny because the story's not that much different for Louisville on offense. They have like one main guy who's played over 100 snaps who has a grade of exactly 70, Tyler Hudson, one of their receivers, and no one else. Um, it's funny because Dalton told us that like, oh, Louisville's receivers and personnel weren't the problem. I'm very just hard pressed to believe that, man. Um, I'm not the Louisville expert again, but that's why we had him on. Go down, go down their list of wide receivers. It hasn't been pretty for them. Um, pass catching wise, take, their run blocking grades are dragging them down, but their pass catch, catching grades. D Wiggins is at 55. Braden Smith is a 56. Uh, Amari Huggins Bruce is a 69. And then nice. Tyler, Tyler Hudson's the only one with a 70. And our run defense, I think we all know what that is. Like we're going to be focused on that, and it is our biggest strength. Um, but the pass defense, man, if, if our DBs can just hold, it can, can, if our DBs can be competent, not even great, just competent, which I think they are. And I think they really can be in this game. Louisville's not going to be able to throw the ball that much on you. Um, <clears throat> you got to make Malik Cunningham beat you through the air. We, we talked at length about that in our interview. That's, that's, that's the way you win this game. It's not by allowing Malik to run for 200 yards. You do your best to stop him on the ground, make him beat you through the air with these average receivers. Very doable. I completely agree with that. I think one of the main, main points that actually we'll be able to kind of rest our hat on when it comes to defending Millie Cunningham is that one of our players has done that before at an exceptionally high level. If you look at UCF Louisville, they've played at home and home the past two years. Last year, Louisville, actually UCF traveled over to Louisville. And you know who the highest rated player on that defense was last year for UCF, Dave? Well, it must be Tatum Bethune for this conversation. Tatum Bethune graded out at an 88.3 on PFF and an 83.2 as in rush defense, which okay. something to me believes that we're going to see a lot of Tatum Bethune in this game because I do think the defensive line, we're going to see a lot more of a heavier rotation. I do believe that there's going to be some different personnel out there overall for the entirety of the game. But to me, Tatum Bethune is the key to win this matchup, although Tatum Bethune only played 19 snaps against Louisville. UCF was up 14 to seven and mainly contained them until actually went out of the game with an injury. So to me, this primarily is going to come down to our defense over the middle, which is something that we haven't been able to say for a very long time. And if you look at years past, Malik Cunningham, 
feasted on our linebackers. And to me, you'll see with DJ Lundy growing the way he has in run fits, because to me, his run fits aren't the problem. His run his problem was mainly about being in coverage. So to me, defensively, that's who we're going to be looking at for this game. All right. Thank you for sticking with us here through to the last segment. Again, thank you for making us our your first listen each and every day. We are now going to talk about the implications of what I said, and maybe you feel like it was overstating it, um, of this game on our season outlook. Because in isolation, this game really isn't that important. The reality is, if we lose this game, we're two and one. And if you had asked, if, if you had told me before the season, I'll give you two and one to start the first three games, you wouldn't have been able to finish that sentence before I took you up on that deal, right? Yeah, 100%. Like, I was optimistic that I'd lean that we're going to win these games. But when we did the, uh, when Max is ready to win expectancy exercise, I think it was like a 2.6 or something like that. But if we went, go three and oh, like that's something that I did not expect to see happening. I wanted to split this and listen, this in LSU. Yeah, you could you could go on Twitter and find the absolute most optimistic person in our fan base, and even they would be hard pressed to give you a confident answer that we are starting three and zero. But that's what we have on the table in front of us—the opportunity to start three and zero in a game that we are now favored in, despite the fact that preseason I thought it was a sure loss. A lot of, I think a lot of other people were very skeptical about winning this game going up against Malik Cunningham after what he did to us last year, after just what he had until the season showcase with both his arm and his legs that ha- he hasn't looked the same. That team hasn't looked the same. This is now a winnable game. It's a game that I've said, I think we should win. I'm confident we're going to win. Um, so the question at this point, the only question remaining for me is what does it mean for a win or a loss? Like what should it mean? And what does it mean? Because a win to me, win to me means where a lot of people need to shut up. First of all, that's what it means. A lot of people who were overly negative. Uh, I probably, you and I probably have some crow to eat. Um, well, we have a lot, dude. We got, we got, we got a whole full helping over here for we, us to eat if we go start three and zero. If we're we, being honest, <laughs> we we questioned Mike Norvell appropriately. I don't think any coach anywhere in the country is beyond question. I think we had some legitimate questions for him. I think he was was on an appropriately warm seat going into this year, and he's answering us. That happens. I'm glad it has. I'm so glad to be wrong in this instance. Not wrong, but just I'm so glad to have raised the doubt and for him to have erased it so far. That's a um, great way to say that you're wrong. Oh, by the way, I'm going to use that next time I'm actually in the office. There you go. All, all of you, you're welcome. Happy uh, Thursday. But um, so a win in this game, I, I think maybe you need to start resetting your expectations. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say suddenly we are this great team. Suddenly we we need to nine games, like nine wins is the standard all of a sudden. Like, it should yeah. be. It should be. Um, but for this season, I think – you got to take every game you you got to treat it like that every game's your super bowl mentality because you have a special opportunity on the season i don't want the team pressing too hard if they were to start 3 and 0 and win this game but you have a really unique opportunity because clemson is beatable um that's that's a game you can win i mean there's a real chance to start this first half of the schedule undefeated if you win this game um and then you're able to go up and beat clemson obviously that's easier said than done but it it just it, it i think it makes striving for nine i think that becomes the focus of the season because the boon that would be for recruiting 
um, just getting these players acclimated to feeling what it feels like to win again. Suddenly you're going to not just a bowl game, but you're going to a good bowl game, maybe a New Year's around New Year's kind of bowl game instead of playing in like the middle of December. Um, Go to the Duke's Mayo Bowl. If we're being honest, I think that could be a dope time too. Drake, don't get, yeah, you know how I feel about Duke's Mayo. Um, but it's it a win in this game creates a really unique opportunity that a lot of people did not foresee for this team. And it does to a degree raise the standard back to where it should be. I don't think that's overstating that too much. No, I completely agree with that. I think, I mean, we've always said on here that the standard is the standard. And if you win this game, I fully expect this team at worst to go four and one heading over to NC state primarily because like you were just saying before, Boston College is the game we play at next week. Hmm. Boston College might be the worst team in the ACC. And by might, I mean they are because their offensive line is offensive. That's the best way to put it. They are probably worse than the offensive line that we had in 2018. And folks, if you remember how bad the offensive line was, Boston College might actually give them a run for their money. And it's not even close. Wake Forest, Sam Hartman's back. But that defense is still very porous. And also that game is at home. You go to NC State. That's going to be a big game. I know it's at Carter-Finley. But that you have a chance right there to potentially be five and zero heading with Clemson coming down in Doak this season. If it continues the way it is, if you find these ways to win small and don't get in your own damn way, this is, has the potential to be very very nice for Coach Mike Norvell. Also because you're having these wins at the first half, early signing day has changed the game. Mm-hmm. My personal opinion, it matters more that you start out the gate super hot and make some W's. For these kids that were deciding in September, you have Blake Nicholson on the 20th. You have Hakeem Williams later on, I think the week after that, which I think that Hakeem Williams will be coming to Florida State. Then you have other players that you need. And also, we still don't have a QB commit in this class. And in you win these games, there's going to be those kids that are going to be looking back and be like, hmm, maybe I actually should give Florida State a chance because now I actually can see what the proof of concept is Is if I, when I'm a quarterback in Mike Norvell's system. So yeah. to me, I completely agree with that. And then also... If you win nine games, what about the kids that basically you finished second four last year? I fully expect the transfer portal to basically go, go in full swing probably after October, maybe even November. Maybe you'll see some kids that we really wanted last year that will be like, maybe, just maybe I got my NIL bag. Maybe it's not time to come home and actually play for the good guys. I suspect I know who you're talking about, but I'm not going to mention any names. Um it shouldn't be the case that like recruits are as fickle as, oh, wow, Florida State beat Louisville, too. Now I will consider going there. But you know what? Anything that gives us any kind of marginal advantage whatsoever, we need at this point uh, to get anywhere back to close to where we should be in recruiting. It's frustrating seeing like you go on like on three and it's like Clemson, Miami, Florida. It's like, OK, great. And then where are we? Like, I don't know. On, on most of the sites, we're twenty something. That shouldn't we're be. Six, the... we're, we're 16th. We're actually pretty good in on three. So let, let's okay. not so the good So two four seven then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Switch, switch the heat, my guy. Even though two four seven is pretty good with us. Frust- it's frustrating. We shouldn't be ranked where we are in recruiting. We shouldn't be recruiting how we are. We should be doing better than that because that's Florida State. We're in a recruiting hotbed geographically, in between Georgia and Florida. We and historically, obviously. We need every advantage we can get. This would provide an advantage, not in isolation, but you add it all together. This game adds, it's a piece of the puzzle here. And the last thing I want to say is I don't want to end negative and I'm not going to, but I just, and and in fact, I'm going to do the opposite and talk about a loss in a positive way. If we were to lose this football game, that doesn't actually change my feelings on this team. Like for, for example, 
Malik Cunningham is talented enough that he can go out there and have one of those just ridiculous Lamar Jackson type 200 rushing yard games. Stop when, mentioning his damn name, bro. You're going to speak listen, that into existence if you listen, keep doing it, man. I'm telling you. When that happens, there's there's one option you have at that point uh, because we know what this defense is, I believe. like I don't think that's an indictment of the defense so much as you just got to tip your cap at that point. Like if 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 a guy's able to go out and do that against – Strength on strength, your run defense. He's able to just go out there and torch it and single-handedly win Louisville that game. That doesn't tell me Florida State's any worse for the wear. That tells me Florida State just happened to go against a Superman that day. Uh, yes, we should be able to contain the run better than to allow that to happen. Um, but just weird things happen. A loss doesn't suddenly derail this season to me. It doesn't take away from that incredible LSU win. Uh, I still think we're on track for all of the goals that we have had. But as I mentioned, this is a game you should win. It's not a must win, I don't think, but it's you should win this, and I'm confident in that. You should win this, folks. And with that being said, that's all our time for today. Please tune in later today where we have Danny Domino joining myself for a week three pick'em show where we d- discuss the BYU game, Texas A&M, Miami, and we also talk about Florida State Louisville, which to me is going to be the first time in a long time where I'm comfortably able to say that I believe we should be winning this game, as David was just saying. But – also, please tune in for Friday morning. We're bringing back our 10 to 12 minute segment of basically how we feel the game is going to be going with some predictions. And Dave, any last words before sending other people out? Just wish this went into existence, please. Like, let's keep the good times rolling. We've everyone's been so happy lately. Uh, just this whole Florida State fan base. It's weird to, that everybody just doesn't have like acrimony and things to fight about. Let's keep it that way. Keep the good vibes going. Let's just keep the good times rolling from New Orleans up to bourbon country. And folks, thank you guys so much for being locked on Seminoles. Your first listen each and every single day. And with that being said, don't forget five-star reviews, either an Apple podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast from. And also head on over to YouTube, like this video, hit the subscribe button at the tippy tippy top and ding the little bell. So you know when new content immediately drops. Dave, I didn't need you for that today. Cause I know we're both actually on a very, very big hurry, but Dave, I love you. We're excited for this game. It's going to be a great time. And, folks, we will see you all next time on Lockdown Sentinels. Take care, everybody. Go on.